Okay, with a number of uh, breaks, we're working on the Yud Gimel Ikri Emunah, the 13 principles of faith from the Rambam. Um, this, is, this has really been going on since, I think, Tishrei. Um, but again, there's been a number of breaks. What we did was, the first we went through quickly, uh, I think maybe two weeks or so, the 13 principles in short. And then we were delving into them one by one. So, quick reminder. There are 13 principles which we broke down really into three categories. The first five deal with Hashem, Hashem's existence, um, that He exists, that He's one, um, that He's the uh, first being, that there's no body, um, that He's the one, the only one that one can or should serve. And those are the first five principles of faith, of Amuna, and we discussed each one, one by one. And that's actually where we're holding. We are holding by principle number six. Principle number six begins what we called category two of the principles. The second category is really made up of the next four principles. So that's six, seven, eight, and nine, right? What are six, seven, eight, and nine? Just for one word for each. Six is nevua, that we um, we have the uh, basic belief that Hashem gives us nevim. He gives us prophets. Seven is the prophecy of Moshe Rabbeinu. And we had a whole discussion about that, uh, the difference between Moshe Rabbeinu versus the other Nevi'im, how Moshe Rabbeinu is the ultimate Navi, which we're not going to go over now. Number seven is that Torah is from heaven. I'm sorry, number eight, thank you. Number eight is Torah Menashemayim, the Torah is from heaven. And number nine is the nitzchiyus of Torah, the everlasting nature of Torah. Principle of faith, that Torah is unchangeable. Um, we can't, you know, vote out a mitzvah or decide that this one doesn't really fit anymore, it doesn't work. Um, so that is number, principle number nine, is the nitzchiyus, the everlasting nature of Torah. So these four principles, six, seven, eight, nine, what's the common denominator? What's the common denominator of 6, 7, 8, and 9? Let's think. Prophecy, the prophecy of Moshe Rabbeinu, Torah from heaven, and, and the everlasting nature of Torah. These four are all about, if you think about it, it's Hashem's revelation to us. It's Hashem's instruction to us. Right? Through prophecy, through Moshe Rabbeinu, through Torah, the everlasting nature of mitzvahs. That is why these four are seen as one category in the 13 principles. How would you say that again? What is it? It's God's... It's His revelation and instruction to us. Right? Through prophets, the greatest of prophets being Moshe Rabbeinu, through Torah, through the, the, the everlasting nature of Torah... So that's Hashem's revelation, the way He tells us what He wants, His instruction to us, to this world. Again, so that's why, and again, going way back when, I told you that there are some that dif- differ or disagree with the Rambam, and they say there's not 13 principles, there's really three. And those three have different subdivisions to them. But Rambam says there's 13, and yet those 13 are clustered in these three, Right? I'm being clear. So again, the first five are just about Hashem, what, what, the makeup of Hashem, if you will. And the next four 
are Hashem's revelation to mankind through prophecy, through Moshe Rabbeinu, through Torah, and through the mitzvahs. Um, that being said, tonight we are, we are going to delve into principle number six, prophecy. The concept of prophecy, the concept of nivua, um, which is, I think, many times very not understood. What is it exactly about? What, what is prophecy for? Why is it so important? And then the question that you'll always hear, does it really exist anymore? Is it a real thing? Or is it something that just happened a couple thousand years ago? And if it's a principle of faith, then how could it not exist? Right? So, so what is prophecy for? What's prophecy for? I'm sorry? So for Hashem to tell us mitzvahs? Okay, let's start with that. Is prophecy for mitzvahs? Is prophecy for divine instruction of, of the mitzvahs of Hashem? The answer is no. Not just the answer is no, it's a pretty unequivocal no. The um, halacha is ein navi rashoi lechadesh dover. A prophet cannot add a mitzvah. Um, we know how many books are, the, are there of the um, what we call Torah Shebiksav, the written Torah? 24. Good, 24. How many are the five books of Moshe? That's a tough one. Sixty-five. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know. So there's five books of Moses, and then there's 19 books of prophets and writings. What's the most cardinal difference between the five books of Moshe versus the other 19? It's one word. Hashem. Mitzvahs. Mm. There's no mitzvahs in the other 19. Mm. There are 613 mitzvahs in the five books of Moshe, or that can be derived from the five books of Moshe. Yehoshua and Shmuel and David HaMelech and Yechaskel and Yeshaya and Ezra um, and, and Yirmiyahu were great uh, Nevi'im, but they were not ever there to give us an additional mitzvah. And nothing that they said or wrote became a mitzvah. So, so that there shouldn't be any um, confusion. Nevi'im Nivuah is not for mitzvahs. It's not for Hashem to give us his commandment, to give us his Torah, to tell us what the Torah is. That's not Nevi'im. There is the five books of Moshe, which gives us the 613, and there's a tremendous amount of oral law, which we call Torah Shabbat Peh, that explains to us the halachas of the Torah. But the 19 books of prophecy aren't oral law, and they're not the 613. So what are they? It actually even goes further. Is if they've only, in a way, like, you, you know, you ask the question, like, um, why is prophecy so important? Why is it so integral to the what, to the point that it's part of the 13 principles of faith? They, it's caused problems over the years. It was like the false prophets. False prophets, sure. Part, you know? Sure. In other words, in other words, a, it doesn't seem to be so important, and b, if it's problematic, then it's even a greater question, why is this so important? Um, if it doesn't give us mitzvahs, it doesn't give us Torah, um, on the other hand, it leaves room for all types of fake prophets and so on, which we had historically. So what is it about? What's it for? And again, I'm going to go back to the other question, which is, and where is it? Like, 
it's so important, it's one of the 13 principles of faith, and it's, you know, right up there, and yet, anybody knows any prophets? You know, all the organizations we know are non-profit organizations. <laughs> right, sorry, sorry. sorry. Um, but where is prophecy, if it's so important? So what's the story with prophecy? Today. Yeah, today and yesterday, right? And last year, and 10 years ago, and 100, and 200, and 1,000, and 1,500, that's a long time. So if it's one of the... Well, if it's one of the you know principles of our faith, right. so it should be somewhat accessible. Hmm. Right? Where, where did it go? Yeah. Okay. Especially if Torah is Especially if Torah is <laughs> So what's the story with prophecy? So that's what I want to discuss with you tonight. And I think I think it's something very interesting that that I want to learn here. I want to read a little bit from straight out of the Rambam. I have a, I'm looking at a book of Rambam. Let's read a little bit. And this is in the. Um, the Rambam's magnum opus is his Mishnah Torah, which is 14 volumes. The first volume is called the Book of Mada, which is basic knowledge. That's broken up into different sections. One of them is called Yisodeh HaTorah, the Foundations of Torah, which is again broken up into chapters. So I'm, I'm reading from chapter 7 from Hilchis Yisodeh HaTorah, the laws of the foundation, the foundational laws of the Torah. And he writes, Mi Yisodeh Hadas, it's from the foundations of our religion. Leida to know, shehakel menabe as b'nei ha'odam, that Hashem um, gives prophecy to people. Straight out there, it's a foundation of our religion to know that Hashem gives prophecy to people. And he goes on. I'm not going to read and translate, read and translate. But he says that the nevua prophecy befalls one who's a very wise person, um, strong in their midos. Always in control of the Yetzirah, always on top of it. One who studies not only the revealed but the esoteric parts of the Torah, and has a solid understanding of it, and acts in a very sanctified way, and doesn't act like the common people at all who are just involved in the uh, you know frivolousness of, of time. And all he thinks about really is, is Hashem and his, and his connection to Hashem and his mind is always uh, open to, to understand, to learn, um, bound up in, in Hashem, and so on and so forth. And when he says, this person, after growing in their avodah and so on, so, tanuach alav haruach, the divine inspiration or spirit will rest upon this person and his mind will soar like angels, the hafech ish acher will change into a different person, and he'll understand totally differently. Then, um, uh, and he'll understand then that he's not the same way he was. He's a much higher level than other people, and so on and so forth. And he brings verses for that. And he says, and there's many different levels in neviim, in prophets. Um, just like there's people, in, just like there's levels in wisdom, there's levels in prophecy. There's a higher level, a higher level. And he goes on to describe different levels of prophecy and so on and so forth. What's it for? So he'll know prophecy. What, 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 what is revealed to the person prophetically? What's, it, what's Hashem telling him? So Ramam goes on, he says, I'm, I'm skipping around here in the chapter, he says, it's Hanavi Efsher, Shetia Nevuaso La'atzmo Bilvad. It's possible that Nevuah will be for him alone, for himself. Laharchiv libo lahosiv dato, just to broaden his own understanding that he should know things that no one else knows. It's also possible that it should be sent 
to the nations of the earth or to a certain city to tell them what to do or to get them to do tshuva. So it could be different ways. It could be to Jews, it could be to non-Jews he could be sent. And he goes on to say that it's a mitzvah to listen to the prophet and so on and so forth. So what did the Ramam really describe? What did the Ramam describe? He says, what is a Navi essentially? What, 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 what would we call that? A messenger. Like a tzaddik, a great tzaddik. Okay. A person who is totally involved in, in connecting to Hashem and learning and growing and being totally in charge of, them, of themselves. Um, and someone that therefore Hashem is able to reveal himself to, to that person and sometime as a messenger to others, sometime as a messenger to himself, sometimes just that he should understand, he or she should understand more and more and more and more be revealed to them. So the Ramam very much describes a person and the person's shlemus, person's, um, what's the word for shlemus? Completion, wholeness or wholesomeness in their avoda. Wholeness in their avoda to the extent that their mind is able to, to fuse with the divine. And that's really what prophecy is. It's the ability for a person to become so spiritually connected that they become a vehicle for divine revelation. Revelation for themselves, revelation for others, revelation that becomes a messenger for others. But it's really about, if again, just following the words that we just read, it's the wholeness, it's the completion of a person's attaining the highest possible spiritual levels so that they fuse with godly revelation. Now, just to contrast that with Torah. Torah is not about a person's reaching a high level. What is Torah? Divine wisdom. Right? Torah has nothing to do with a person's level. If we're sitting here and studying Torah, it's divine wisdom that we're studying. We may or may not be prophets sitting around this table. We don't have to be very high-leveled people to get to hear a Dvar Torah. Right? So let, let, I'm trying to contrast here. What is Torah versus prophecy? Torah is Hashem talking. Torah is the revelation of Hashem. 613 mitzvahs that Hashem gave and the halacha that Hashem gave. Um, who do you have to be in order to receive Torah? Anybody. Anybody. Well said. Because when we receive Torah, we're not fusing necessarily with the divine. We're just being given over a divine piece of information. So when we open up a Torah, whatever it is, whether it's a Chumash, whether it's a Mishnah, whether it's a Tanya, whether it's a Maimur, whatever we're learning in Torah, we are right now picking up divine information. That's Hashem's Torah. So Torah is God talking. Prophecy is something totally different. Prophecy is when a person attains such a level of spiritual connection such a level of spiritual union that they become a vehicle or a vessel for Hashem's wisdom to fuse with that person because this person is at such an exalted state of spirituality. So let me ask you, let's ask a question. What's higher, Torah or Nevuah? What's a higher spiritual level 
Torah or Nevoah. Okay? Torah. Because you were saying that when Torah, there's no there's no change in a person. Right. But there is. Yeah, because I picked up another piece of divine um, information. I mean, sure, yeah. Okay, so it it, it, effect, it, effect, it affects me. It'll make me better. But I don't have to become a spiritual being to learn something of Torah. Right? I, le- I learn a Torah idea, right? We all come to a class and we walk away and we know certain Torah ideas, which is wonderful. I, in no way am I demeaning of Torah ideas. But we don't have to become prophets to come to a Torah class. We don't have to uh, totally overcome our Yitzhahara and be fully in control and be fully spiritual in order to come learn Torah. Not so. We, the way we are, walk into a class and we learn Torah. And it's Torah. Right? So, which is higher, Torah or Nevoah? Torah. Way higher. Because what's Torah? Hashem talking. Torah is untouched. By the human, by any human, by even the greatest tzaddik, even Moshe Rabbeinu. Did Moshe Rabbeinu um, write the words of the Torah of the Chumash? No, Hashem did. Moshe wrote them, but they're Hashem's words. Torah is Hashem's words to us. Mitzvahs are Hashem's commandments to us. They're not human. They're not from a tzaddik. They're not from another tzaddik. They're from Hashem. And we could learn it, and we connect it to Hashem. We learned His Torah. Nivuah is not about the Hashem that's being revealed as much as the refinement of that particular person, or tzaddik, or navi, that became so refined that their minds are fusing with the godly, and therefore, there's so much godly revelation that connects to them, that comes through them. But never are they going to be the ones who are going to tell us a new Torah idea, in other words, a new mitzvah. They're connecting to Hashem on this great and exalted level, and therefore they're vessels for the divine. Why is Moshe Rabbeinu there? Same thing. I'm sorry? Why isn't Moshe Rabbeinu that same thing? He used with Hashem and gave right. the field the Torah to us. So Moshe is two things. Okay. Moshe Rabbeinu is firstly the ultimate Navi ever, the highest level Navi, which is actually principle seven that we're going to discuss next week, God willing. Right? Principle six is about Nevuah in general. Principle seven is Moshe Rabbeinu's Nevuah. But the Torah is beyond Moshe Rabbeinu's Nevoah too. The Torah is just Hashem talking. Moshe, being the ultimate Navi, was the one through whom Hashem said the Torah. Moshe becomes like a fusion of the two. So Moshe Rabbeinu serves like two functions. He is the ultimate Navi, and he's the one through whom Hashem told us the Torah. So a Navi, when they fuse with Hashem, and they reveal something, are they talking then in their own words? Like Moshe Rabbeinu, right. Moshe 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 Moshe. Moshe. right, 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 right. Okay, so I, I, I want to deal with Moshe Rabbeinu more next week because I really that, that the entire class is going to be about that. <laughs> next week is it, uh, the Moshe Goes High School. Uh, We're still going to have the class here, but I'm going to be absent. I'm sorry, that is not an excuse. <laughs> Point of my mother. Okay. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> we'll discuss. Uh, um, but but but. My point is, the, the nevuah is really less about 
revelation from above as much as it is about the ability for a person to come to the highest, closest level in their fusion with Hashem to the point where they're able to sense, hear, reveal godliness. You know, when you look in the books of the Navi, many times, you know, the Navi was busy telling the people. Just um, one of the most famous stories is um, who, who was um, where someone's donkeys were lost. Right? Who was that? I'm drawing a blank Shoal. here. Shaul, right? Shaul went to Shmuel, who was the great Navi at the time, to ask him where his donkeys are. Because Shmuel was at a level of tremendous divine revelation and he just saw everything. Now, obviously, where your donkeys are is not a mitzvah or a halacha or even a dvar Torah. It's, it's a piece of information. It's helpful. But so if you think about it, so what? So what, is a Navi there to help us find our donkeys? Of course not. But what, what is he? He's someone who's so connected with the divine that things that nobody else knows or sees, he sees. So he can be very helpful in those areas. But which just proves the point, the Navi is not there to be another teacher of Torah. Um, the Navi is someone who's fused with the divine and therefore is a vehicle for divine revelation of any type, many times being foretelling the future, whether in that case of the donkeys, but foretelling the future, what's going to be and when is it going to be and how is it going to be. What we call nowadays many times Ruach HaKodesh, divine inspiration. Ruach HaKodesh again is not there to reveal a new mitzvah or a new halacha. When we talk about tzaddikim, and we talk a lot about tzaddikim, tzaddikim, tzaddikism, right? I'll tell you a story because it's very apropos for today. Today, as you all know, is the yard site of the Rebetzin Chaim Mushka. Mamash today, Chav Beishvat. Um, she passed away today, 32 years ago. And I'm sure all of you heard a lot about her. And one of the most interesting people, because on the one hand, so hidden. And I'm going to... Does it, anyone around the table ever saw her? No? Okay. I also don't think I ever did. Maybe I mean, maybe once. I was, they said, look there in that window. She's behind that window, whatever. I mean, but I was a student there in Crown for years, and she just wasn't a seen person. She, that's the way she wanted it. Right? But obviously, a tremendous person. And the more you hear this story and that story, you hear greatness and holiness. So I'll just share with you a story that I heard from a good friend of mine today. Um, and this, uh, you might know that there were always some families that were, there were families that were close to the Rebbe and the Rebbe. So they would go to the house and they would visit. So one such family <laughs> is, uh, uh, my friend's name is Azimov. And his parents were the Shluchim in France, in uh, Paris. Rabbi, Rabbi Shmuel and Basi Azimov, who both have passed away already, both passed away pretty young. Um, and their son is a very close friend of mine. So he, tell, he told me the following story. He says it was 1930, was it 30 or 29? 19, I'm pretty sure it was 1930. And that's when a big um, a plane was chartered and many Hasidim came for Tishrei, came from Israel to New York to be by the Rebbe for Tishrei. On the it could have been 1970. Oh, 
So a big group of Hasidim came from Israel and on a charter plane to, to New York. After they left, so there was a Fabrengan the night before, in the morning they left. So they went with buses to the airport and they left. About an hour later, the rabbi turns to his secretaries in the office and says, what's, what's going on with the charter plane? And they're like, they left. The rabbi says, you sure? As far as we know. Then, yeah, I mean, yeah. They're okay, fine. An hour later, they get a call from the airport. The plane had left, but then there was a fire on one of the engines, and they had to turn around and make an emergency landing, and they ended up back in the airport. So they're calling, somebody, what should we do? What should we do? So they said, okay, well, I guess the Rebbe somehow knew about that. And he already asked, and he already gave instructions what you should do and where you should go, and it'll be okay. And tomorrow, they, they went to the day later. That's the story. So everyone knows that part of the story, you know, clear Ruach HaKodesh from the Rebbe. So my friend tells me that that morning his parents went in to visit the Rebbetzin before they went back. Because even though the, the plane was going to Israel, it stopped off in France on the way, and his parents got off in France. They were shluchim there. So as they were sitting by the Rebbetzin, and she asks them, so when are you leaving? And he said, uh, tonight. He says, okay. A few minutes later, talking, he says, by the way, when are you leaving? Said, tonight. Okay. A few minutes later in the conversation, says a third time, when are you leaving? Tonight. And then they, they finished. She said, bid them goodbye. And, she left. and he walked up and said, what is with this? She asked us three times within 20 minutes if we're leaving today. We said yes. And they're thinking, maybe it's a message we shouldn't leave. Maybe there's a hidden message and whatever. They went. They asked the Mashpir. They said, she didn't say not to leave. So they left. Except they didn't leave that day because the plane came back because of the uh, engine motor. And they left the daily. So they saw that you know, when the Rebbe asked, when are you leaving? When are you leaving? She also picked up, like the Rebbe, something wasn't exactly the way they thought. By Tzadikim and Tzadikis, and this is, this, was, this is something that's amazing when we hear it, but sort of commonplace in the lives of real Tzadikim. That's Ruach HaKadosh. That comes from a connection with a level that's higher than most people are connected to. So is Ruach HaKadosh Okay, good question. I'm gonna get there. I'm gonna get there. So, so let's let's try to. Um, so, part one of what we're saying over here is to differentiate between Torah, mitzvahs. That's divine. Hashem talks to us. He tells us his Torah. He tells us mitzvahs. Nevuah is the concept that a person is able to fuse with the spiritual and be able to step above the regular. Um, a human natural state of being and fuse with something godly and something holy and connect to them. And that's the foundation of Yiddishkeit. That a person can become spiritual. Spiritual doesn't mean that a person doesn't have to eat anymore, doesn't have to sleep anymore, but is able to, in their mind, connect to the spiritual and become connected to a madrega, to a level above what's humanly possible, what's humanly capable, connecting to Hashem himself. And that is what this principle of faith is all about. So, part two. So, does it exist now? Are there Nevi'im? So, famously, you'll hear, and it's well-sourced, that the Tekufa, which means the period of time in which there was many prophets and prophetesses, finished at a certain point in time. When is that? When is the end of the Tkufa of Nevi'im that we talk about? Who are considered the last Nevi'im? So the last Nevi'im are the last ones from the Treyasar, but most famously, Chagai, Zechariah, Malachi. 
These are the Nevi'im who lived at the end of our books of prophets. They lived at the end uh, by the destruction of the first Beis HaMikdash through the 70 years of exile and into the second Beis HaMikdash. Um, we've discussed in the past, when the second Beis HaMikdash was built, the group of rabbinical authority of the Jewish people was called the Anshe Knesset Sagdullah, the men of the great assembly. That was a group of a, a number of tzaddikim, and amongst them were the last Nevi'im, the last prophets, like Hananiah, Mishol, Azariah, Ezra, Nehemiah, Mordechai, Daniel. This is the last prophets that we always talk about. So the Gemara says that from that time and on, Nistalka Hanivua. What does Nistalka mean? It's sort of, well, that's the thing. Nistalka doesn't mean stopped, because that would be like Nisbatla or, or Histaima. Nistalka means it's sort of ascended. Like histalkos. There was a certain ascendancy of Nevoah. So, and here comes a very big point, and the Rebbe is very strong about this point. Does that mean that was the end? No more Nevoah. Says the Rebbe, no, it can't mean that. Why can't it mean that? Says the Rebbe, simple. Because it's one of the principles of faith that Hashem gives Nevoah. And who wrote the principles of faith? In which, or who wrote it in Halacha? Rambam. Nowhere does Rambam write that there is an expiration date to this principle. Nowhere does he write that after a certain point of time, sorry, you can try, but this is, we're closed. Right? He talks a lot about Nevoah, as I read to you certain parts, and nowhere does he give it any type of a time frame. You have to remember, Rambam is a thousand years after that time. So if Nevoah is a thousand years dead or gone, so Rambam should tell us, you know, this was a good principle of faith, history, and it's but it's a historical story. Right. But he doesn't at all say this. Says the Rebbe, but from a strictly halachic standpoint, right. Rambam is a book of halacha. He writes about nevuah exactly the same way he writes about Shabbos. Hmm. He doesn't. There's no indication that at some point it's no more. Therefore, we must say, says the Rebbe, that until that time, nevuah was much more common was much more accessible. There were so many more tzaddikim because there was so much more divine revelation. When there was the first holy temple, when there was, there was it was a time of much greater divine revelation. There was miracles going on every day in the Besamekdash and so on and so forth. So nevuah was also much more common. Then you had entire schools of nevuah. You had hundreds of hundreds of, nevu, of nevim together which were in schools. So that stopped because there wasn't that type of Wholesale, so to speak, revelation. So it stopped as a, a wholesale you know, concept of, you know, like we said, prophets and prophets and prophets. But the idea of the ability for people to connect to the divine is something that continues onward. And that's through the tzaddikim of the generations. Now, as Rambam, as Rambam himself said and as we read, there's many levels to Nivuah. Rambam also talks about levels of nevuah. So there could be a higher level and a lower level, a second or a third level, but the concept, says Rebbe, can't stop. Because that, were, that wouldn't mean we're saying one of the 13 principles doesn't work anymore. Furthermore, Rambam himself, and we've talked about this before, his primary work is his halachic work, Mishnah Torah. But he has other works. And amongst his other works are famous letters that he wrote. 
One of the great letters that he wrote, perhaps the most famous of his letters, is called Igeres Teiman, the letter that Rambam wrote to Yemenite Jewry. And we have that letter. It's a lengthy letter, beautiful letter. And in it he talks a tremendous about, amount about the coming of Mashiach. And he says there that when Mashiach will come, he says we'll be back to the full range of Nevi'im much more than ever before. The concept of Nevu'ah, the ability for the human mind to fuse with Hashem and become a vessel for divine revelation, says Rambam, when Mashiach will come, will be something that will be again commonplace. But then the Rambam says, he says, and before the coming of Mashiach, there will be a resurgence of Nevu'ah amongst Klal Yisrael as a preparation for the coming of Mashiach. And Rambam says, he writes this in his letter, he says, and in our generations that we hope Mashiach will come soon, we know certain prophets. Rambam writes about people who lived in that time. Rambam lives 900 years ago. And he says there are people who are prophets. They're tzaddikim, they, and they tell us ideas with Ruach HaKodesh, and that is Nevuah. And Rambam says, he says, belief suffix, it's without a doubt to me, that as Mashiach comes closer, there's going to be more nevuah in the world again, preparing us for that time. So it's clear that the, the idea of nevuah, which is the ability for the human being to become connected to the divine in a way that they're able to experience and hear, see, feel divine messages, is something that was never lost to Klal Yisrael. It was something that in times of greater revelation there was more of, more in quantity of people. Perhaps at certain points there was higher quality Nivian. But the concept that we have the ability to pick ourselves up and connect to something divine and get divine messages through various divine um, vehicles or mediums that is what Nevuah is. That is something that was never lost. To the contrary, as we get closer to Mashiach, says Rambam, there's going to be more tzaddikim who are going to display that Nevuah. There's many forms of, of a person connecting to the divine and getting messages from the divine. Um, just something that I'm sure uh, many or all of us have heard of. The Arizal says, that whenever parents are giving a name for a child, what does their result call that? <laughs> a nevuah ketana. That says his words. He says, there's a small nevuah going on when parents decide to give a name. Now, of course, we think it's not nevuah, that's my grandmother. <laughs> right? Um, but, but there is one grandmother, and there's another grandmother, and there is... Right? And, then, and there's another great-grandmother, and there's the husband's grandmother, there's the wife's grandmother, and then there's usually, um, it, it would like, seem, I mean, the, you know, I'll, ta- I'll tell you something interesting that I don't know if, I don't know. If, right? So you have, a, you have the name Schneer. Some of you may have heard of people named Schneer, right? Does anyone know where the name Schneer comes from? Because it's not in Tanakh. Okay, but where did the name come from? Who made up that name? So it's interesting. There's a sefer from um, a great Talmudic authority. He's called by his acronym, the Maharshal, Shlomo Luria, uh, 500 years ago, 400 years ago. And he writes, he says, he says, I'll tell you where the name Schneer comes from. He says there was a couple, and they had a child, a son. And there was a disagreement what to name him. It seems in the olden days, sometimes husbands and wives disagreed. <laughs> it's a historical thing. And he says that 
the husband had a father, or a Zayda, and he wanted to name him Meir. The wife had a father, or a Zayda. His name was Uri. And she wanted Uri, and he wanted Meir. And they went to the Rav. And the Rav said, Meir, Uri, light, light, Shneor. And that's where the name Shneor comes from. How many years ago he said? 500. Yeah. He wrote the book 500 years ago. Maybe this happened beforehand. I assume beforehand. Um, but in other words, so that name created, and then it became Schneer, Dr. Rebbe, Schneer. Names is a whole concept for itself, but the, someone no less than the Arizal says that it is a small nevua, that appearance, and that's why even the Rebbe, when people would write to the Rebbe about what should I name my child, the Rebbe almost always said, names, I don't get involved, and that's the appearance. Now, there were times, there are, there are, there are exceptions, I'm sorry? So there are exceptions. There are exceptions. Every rule has exceptions, but that was a common answer of the Rebbe. By Dallas? Yeah. Yeah, by Dallas the Rebbe did it, yeah. By Dallas the Rebbe did things that he didn't do anywhere else at another time. It was a special time. You didn't have a name before? I, right, I went around and everyone just said, hey. <laughs> she was born by For Dallas. years and years. <laughs> but my, my, point, my point is that, that what the Rizal is telling us is that there's all different levels and types of nevua. Now, parents who give names are just regular, ordinary parents. But in somehow, at that moment, a person's mind is a keli for that connection to Hashem, to give the right name for that child. Now, I, I brought along something very fascinating, and I just want to share this and we'll conclude with this. I brought along a sefer. This is, has to be one of the most fascinating concepts of the sefer. Now, not necessarily are all the subjects discussed here so interesting, but the concept of this sefer is fascinating. And it's the, the name of the book is Shilos Uchuvos Min HaShamayim. Questions and answers from heaven. Who wrote the book? So, um, you know, very likely, you know there is the following. In, in every page of Gemara, the Talmud, you have the Talmud in the middle. On the right hand, you have Rashi. And Rashi, just like you have Rashi, who's the commentator to Chumash, and Tanakh, who's to the Talmud. But on the other side of the page, in every page of the Talmud, you have the Tosfos. Who are Tosfos? Tosfos is a large group of great tzaddikim and rabbonim, a number of whom were Rashi's grandsons and their colleagues. They're called the Balei HaTosfos. But that's a group of probably at least 60 people who lived over a span of probably 150 years or so, about 800, 900 years ago. And they were tzaddikim, Rabbeinu Tam, Rabbeinu Yechiel. One of them, his name was Rabbeinu Yaakov, Mikurbil. Kurbil is the name where he comes from, the place he comes from. He wrote a book, aside from being one of the Tosfas on the page of the Talmud, he wrote this book. And basically the entire book is questions that he wrote. He said, I asked these questions to heaven. And I got answers from angels, from Magidim, and he wrote the book. And he is totally accepted um, by Halachic authorities, by Hasidic authorities, by Kabbalah. This is probably the only such book, that that's the entire book. It's a book. He writes, Shiloh, I asked, and there are halachic questions and other questions. I asked, and this is the answer I got. Va'od sha'alti, and also I asked, um, and ve'heshivu, and I was answered. Va'od sha'alti, ve'heshivu. Now, he's not the only one who talks about learning Torah from heaven. Very famously, the Baal Shem Tov. The Baal Shem Tov said, and this is something we talk about all the time, that he learned every day from a heavenly teacher, right? Achia Hashiloni, who lived 
2,000 years before him or more. And the Baal Shem said he came and taught me all the secrets of the Torah. That Rizal always talks about he learned this from this angel and this angel and that Malak, right? So we have our tzaddikim who weren't hiding at all that they were learning Torah through divine um, inspiration and teachings. Through many different, these are different levels of nevuah. Now there's nevuah, there's ruach hakodesh, there, but the concept is the same. It's the ability of a person to become holy enough to spiritually connect and spiritually hear and spiritually learn and spiritually know things as mundane as I said earlier about helping people find their donkeys, or as so many times Hasidim went to the Rebbe for business advice. Nobody thought that a Rebbe was proficient in what's going on right now in the stock market in Australia, right? But nevertheless, Hasidim always asked. Medical stuff and physical stuff and any stuff and spiritual stuff. That's all part of this principle of faith. So, But the book I brought to you here is not just this book. There is a very lengthy, beautiful introduction to this book written by a great rabbi who lived in this generation. His name was Rebbe Uwe Margolis. Rebbe Margolis was a tremendous Torah genius. He lived, he was born before the war in Galicia. He um, made it to Israel before the Second World War. Was very involved, especially in the Mizrahi movement in Israel. He's, uh, he won numerous prizes from, Israeli for, from Israel for writing and so on. Um, uh, he was, a again, like I said, a tremendous Torah genius. Um, I think he passed away in 1970, 71 also. One of those years passed away in the beginning of the 70s. Um, the Rebbe quotes his writings many times. He was a tremendous genius. So he writes, he printed this book, and he wrote a lengthy introduction about the concept of nevuah and spiritual um, uh, advice, or not advice, uh, direction and guidance and learning that Sadiqim have, because people ask, like, is it okay? Where does it come from? He says he got all his information from heaven. Like, you know, how do you check that up, right? So he has this lengthy thing, and basically, he talks about, he brings hundreds and hundreds of sources from Talmud and from the Medrash and from the Zohar, and, and he basically breaks it down. He says there's different forms of nevuah, different levels of nevuah. And the way he breaks it down, I mean, it's a little notations here, um, he talks about, that there is Ruach HaKodesh. Ruach HaKodesh means divine inspiration. That just a person in their mind are told things from Hashem. And there's all different ideas. And again, everything he says is with sources and sources. This is a study. This is not just for a class. This is an entire, to, 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 just each source is, uh, is something to study. So he says, there's Ruach HaKodesh. Then there's something he says called Baskol. What's a Baskol? Literally, a heavenly voice. And he goes through the Talmud and the Medrash and talks about Hundreds of stories where the Gemara talks about people who heard heavenly voices and acted upon it. I, I just, I, just running through it, I saw something interesting. Um, he says, before Shmuel was born, Shmuel Hanavi, he says, Bechal Yom, every day a baskel would come out of heaven and would say, a tzaddik is going to be born in this generation named Shmuel. And he says, many people were spiritually connected then, and many people heard this basco. He says, all the women named their sons Shmuel. Right. <laughs> because maybe it's going to be my son. Right? He says that, that he, that's from a medrash. Um, he goes on. It's like the operator in the old days. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, that wasn't meant for you. I'm reading, he brings, he brings from a Gemara, the Gemara says, when Shlomo HaMelech 
um, instituted the mitzvah of Eruv, making an Eruv and, and washing their hands. Immediately a basko came out from heaven and said, um, if my son is wise, I'm, 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 I'm happy. So a basko, he says, a basko is another form of nevuah. Is it really a, 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 a heard voice? I don't know if everyone hears it, mm-hmm. but I guess those who uh, hear hear. I don't know. You, know, you got to be. That's, that happens to be a very good example because frequencies are they real? Yeah, if you have your transmitter. If you don't, it goes right past you. Right? right? Any radio waves, they're here, but you have to have a radio that works to turn them on. So the waves are here, but you got to know how to hear. Right? So the same thing with Nivua. So Nivua, the Baskal is there. You've got to have the ears that are tuned in to Baskal frequency. But who is on the other end of the Baskal? So these are divine messengers. Are they like deceased people? Are they soul, departed souls? It could be. It could be. But Or it could be not. It could be from the Shekhinah. I don't know. I don't know. And again, and I don't know if there's one answer to that question. It depends on the Baskal. So point is, he says, there's Ruach HaKodesh. He says, there is Baskal. Then he says there is Gilu Eliyahu. Another thing that we read about so many times. Uh, they said Eliyahu Anavi was there, and he said, ah, and I learned Torah from Eliyahu Anavi. And we hear that all the time. So that's another form of a divine way of teaching. Now, not every person is able to or merits to learn Torah from Eliyahu Anavi. Yet many tzaddikim said about themselves or others that they did. Right? And then he says there is chalomos, dreams. Uh-huh. This book was dreams primarily. When Rabbi Yaakov of Kurbil, who, like I said, who's the author of the book Shiloh Surus Menashemayim, he said before he went to bed, he asked these questions, wrote them down, and received his answers in dreams. So that's another form. So basically, he, what he does here in his introduction is he breaks it down. He says there's a lot of different forms and ways of divine revelation to people. Um, why does Hashem use sometimes this one and sometimes this one? Probably has to do with the level of the tzaddik and a higher form and a lower form and so on and so forth. The concept, though, is the same whether we're talking about a divine revelation through a dream, the divine revelation through Eliyahu Navi, the divine revelation through a baskal, the divine revelation of Ruach HaKodesh. The idea is one. The idea is principle number six of the 13 principles of faith. To know, to understand, that the human and Hashem doesn't have to remain two separate entities. That Hashem just says Torah and will listen. But that a person has that ability to raise themselves up, to be able to connect to the spiritual and be a vehicle for divine revelation. And when Mashiach will come, going back to the Rambam in that book of Yemen, in the letter to Yemen, that will be something that will again be rampant way more than it was even in the time of prophecy um, before Chagai Zechariah and Malachi. So to, to summarize, there was a time when there was many, many prophets. And that's when the books of prophecy were written. There is the entire time of Golos where it's much something, because in general, Golos is a time of concealment. In general, we don't have the Beis HaMikdash. We don't have the miracles of the Beis HaMikdash. The concept, though, remains very much alive as one of the principles of our faith, that there are people who are able to connect. And as we saw here, some of the examples, in a way, everyone can sometimes. And that's like that nevuah of giving a, a name of a child. Or other times, when people might have certain divine tuggings on their hearts, um, a, 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 a heavenly message or voice that might come sometimes even to the un 
Not such great, holy, uh, special person. But the concept is definitely there with the Sadiqim. The Rambam says, as we come closer to the Mashiach, there's going to be more Sadiqim who will give us that type of revelation. Um, the Rebbe talks about the Baal Shem Tov and the Baal Shem Tov Stalmidim, who were known for their tremendous Ruach HaKodesh. And really, that's what Rebbe's, Rebbeim are. And so, and, and it's something that we've is so common and so accepted in the entire Hasidic world, for sure, to look at Sadiqim and ask them for advice in areas that they would have no real way of knowing aside from the divine revelation, which is what Nevuah really is. Where do miracles fall in here? Miracles. So miracles is a similar concept. It's also a connection to the divine, and therefore it's not connected with um, Teva. Um, but miracles typically is not so much about a revelation of an idea, of a concept. It's just Hashem or Tzadik breaking the laws of nature. Uh, it's, so it's a similar concept. But Nevuah specifically is more about the mind connecting to the divine revelation. Though the concept, I would say, is very similar. Uh-oh. I think our class is over. Okay. okay. I'm coming. I'm coming.